I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. A podcast helps you understand the chemistry of your everyday life. Okay, Jam, it's a new year. Uh-huh. It's January 7th, 2021. Yep. Does it, does it kind of feel different to you? It doesn't feel different to me yet, but maybe that's because in real life it's December 10th. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. That's what I was kind of thinking. I was like, it feels like 2020 to me still. But that's probably Although, why. I do have some acute half-lit Christmas tree here, so it feels pretty Christmas tree, Christmassy in my nice in my recording space. So it's a new year, but here's one thing that's never going to change. What's that? It's salt. Salt's never going to change? I don't think so. I think people have been using salt for a really long time, and I think they're going to keep using salt for a really long time. I kind of wish I'd thought about that during all the you know chaos that has been 2020. <laughs> one thing that has been dependable that whole time that I could have kind of put my hope on was, has been salt. So I guess has been salt. Yeah. Put your hope in salt. Yeah. Invest in salt, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to guess that we'll probably keep using salt in our diets, no matter what happens in terms of this global pandemic and uh-huh. this new year that's here and we don't even know what could be happening at this point by the time it's yeah. January 7th, honestly. But yeah, I'm guessing that people will still be putting salt on their French fries in their pasta water mm-hmm. on their pretzels, on their pretzels, on everything. Salt is yeah. everywhere. I can, I can believe it. And also I will say that my older brother, shout out Caleb is one of the saltiest salters I have ever been around. <laughs> he loves salt. Yep. So I think if there was some reason for some reason at all that we thought maybe salt wasn't going to be around, um, he would be so, so heartbroken. <laughs> <laughs> well, listener Sam in sent a picture of iodized salt and regular salt and said, what's the difference between these? What's the chemistry here? Mm. So we are going to talk about that. I think that's such a good question. I told a few other people I was doing that and they were excited. Nice. Isn't non-iodized salt called kosher salt? No, actually. I found out kosher salt, I think it has to do with the way that it is recrystallized, which if you want to hear about crystallization, go back to the snowflake episode. Oh, nice. But it also so does it not have actually iodine. Is, it right? does not have iodine, I don't think, but it also has bigger flakes than... Yeah, than traditional right. table salt. It's so, and I th- think I read this on the internet, and there is no justifiable source. But they just talked about how that was easier to draw blood out of meat, which you have to do in Jewish tradition. But I don't know if that was made up or real. Huh. So, if someone knows why kosher salt is kosher, I'd love mm. to hear about it. Interesting. So we're talking about the, iodized versus non-iodized. Iodized salt versus salt. Yes. Okay. So before we get into the difference, though, let's talk about what salt is, what a salt is. Nice. So in chemistry, if I as a chemist am referring to a salt, that to me, in my mind, is anything that's made up of a negative ion and a positive ion that come together. Okay. Usually it's a metal and a non-metal that have come together, although I don't think that's exclusively true. But one has lost electrons, so it's positive. Mm-hmm. And the other has gained electrons, so it's negative. And okay. then they will hang out next to each other very closely. It's so close that it's known as an ionic bond. And 
it's one of the stronger bonds. I think it might be the strongest, although sometimes there's like really deep chemistry where they talk about new bonds that are being discovered mm-hmm. and everything, but it's a very, very tight bond. It's a very close bond. Interesting. And generally they'll form solids that are made up of a wide expanse of positive and negatives hanging out together in a really regular repeated fashion. Hmm. And that's known as a crystal lattice. It's very strong attraction. It's very hard to break apart, these crystal lattices. Uh And that's why salt actually has any kind of salt, has a really high melting point generally. Mm. For example, table salt's melting point is 1,474 degrees Fahrenheit. 1,474. I know, yeah. So it would much sooner, I mean, obviously in our cases, dissolve into something else. Before mm-hmm. it ever melt in our yes in our use, we just never would ever get it hot enough. Right. It's the dissolving is something else is interacting with these positive and negative ions, so they are incentivized to stop interacting with each other as much. But just trying to use sheer energy or brute force to break those apart is going to be difficult. Mm. Interesting. Huh. So that is what a salt is. That is what I think of when I think of a salt. I, I don't know if maybe I missed some technical definitions I could have gotten into, but that was just a chemist's mindset. When I think of a salt, that's what I think of. And that is not necessarily edible, right? You're talking about that could be any of the combinations that apply to what you're talking about mm-hmm. that are that kind yes. of substance, but not necessarily something we eat. Yes. So someone talked about ammonium salts, mm-hmm. which you would not want to eat an ammonium salt. Doesn't sound nearly as tasty. Not as tasty. Definitely not. So that's what I think of when I think of a salt in my brain. I I did not look any of this up to confirm because that is just so ingrained in my brain what I think of as a salt as a chemist. Mm -hmm. So any gen chem teachers out there that are mad at me for not getting the perfect definitions, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Don't answer the way I answered on a test, students. (laughs) This is just my casual explanation of a salt as a chemist. And that's probably a little longer than what you might answer on a test as well. A (laughs) hundred percent. So table salt is sodium. Mm-hmm. which has lost an electron, so it's become positive, and chlorine, which has gained an electron, mm. so it's become negative. And okay. they find each other and bond together, and really a lot of them bond together. So you have a repeating unit of sodium chloride, sodium chloride, sodium chloride, and then there's another layer stacked on top, another layer of atoms that then is another sodium chloride, sodium chloride, sodium chloride. So it's really a 3D structure of just... Sodium chloride's alternating and they form this big expansive lattice is what it's called. Wow. I was trying to think of a good visual representation and the best thing I could think of was, you know, when you have those magnetic balls that like are metal Mm -hmm. and you can sort of flip them over and they'll be just spheres kind of stacked on top of each other. Yeah. It's kind of like that, only the sodium chloride are different sizes. Okay. Got it. But they're just layered on top of each other. It's a big 3D structure that you can imagine with lots of sodium chloride ions stacked on top of each other in rows next to each other. It's it's all of them together. Nice. Nice. Like a really like going in all directions scaffold or something like that where it's... Yes. It links and links and links and links and it's all strong and every part that it links, which is why it's so hard to break apart. 
Yes, exactly. And that's just it. That's what regular old table salt is. It's just NaCl, sodium chloride. (laughs) Sodium ions are positive, chloride ions are negative, and they're hanging out in this big lattice. And you know why it's Na instead of like why the symbol for sodium is Na instead of like something more like S or whatever? I think it's because it's from a different language, but I feel like you've got a pun coming up. Well, just that when sodium was filling out its application, it just didn't know the answer to the question, <laughs> what's your symbol? So I put not applicable. No, it that's just, not it. it. <laughs> so huge bummer. That's why you really want to be careful when you fill out applications. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. So <laughs> now that we've taken our, our detour down Jim's puns, I'll say also that there's a really funny joke about table salt in the West Wing where... The press secretary is trying to be impressive to the scientist she has to sit next to at this fancy dinner. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) she looks up the chemical abbreviation for table salts in ACL. (laughs) Uh And it just makes me laugh because one, that's like not super impressive (laughs) to just know that. But also it just is funny. It's just a funny thing where at first she's like, I don't know it. And then she comes back around and Mm-hmm. says it very proudly it's just good so mm-hmm. i thought about that most of the time while i was working on this episode yeah that's funny i feel like there's probably a lot of stuff like that where us lay people if we learn something even a little bit of something about somebody else's field we think it's impressive to know it whereas <laughs> it could just be completely like one of the most normal building block things of right well field. also in real life, if a chemist was hanging out with a press secretary, most chemists would be amazed by the press secretary and not the other mm-hmm. way around. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they'd both be impressed by each other, but, you like, know, it's like, just funny. It'd be like <laughs> if I was talking to a carpenter and I was like, are you going to use a uh, hammer on that project? <laughs> <laughs> or be like, oh, they're the uh, grain of the wood. <laughs> it's just funny. It makes me laugh. Because, you know, she's, she was theoretically the press secretary of the United States. That's way more impressive than yeah, seriously. my job. Yeah. And you get recognition all the time. Maybe even if people don't like mm-hmm. you, you're literally like on the news, on TV and Possibly. getting recognition as a scientist is like one of the things you guys have to fight so hard for. And oh, yeah. you could live in obscurity and do amazing things. And it's like these people are on TV all the time speaking for <laughs> on behalf of the president or whatever. So that was a fun detour. Just wanted an opportunity to share that because it was in my brain the whole time I was writing this episode. Nice. So that's table salt. But what is iodized salt? Hmm. So iodized salt was made essentially because your thyroid needs iodine. Mm-hmm. And they realized that you could add potassium iodide, which is another salt. Potassium mm-hmm. has lost an electron and iodine has gained an electron. Mm-hmm. They could mix potassium iodide in there with your table salt and it would treat the lack of iodine in your thyroid gland. So if you don't have enough iodine in your thyroid, Mm -hmm. it will grow enlarged and you'll get what's known as a goiter. Uh Uh-huh. And I think they first realized, they first recommended iodine for the prevention of a goiter in 1833. A French mining engineer and agricultural chemist named Jean-Baptiste Boussingault. I probably definitely said that wrong. I'm sorry, French (laughs) people. (laughs) He realized what was going on and recommended the use of iodine salt to treat goiter 
Wow. In certain areas where it was bad because he went to a place in Colombia where inhabitants were using the natural salt that they were getting from these really iodine rich waters of an abandoned mine. Oh, nice. So they just were accidentally doing something that was really helpful. And mm-hmm. it was like, oh, we and should steal that idea. That's right. But at first, people kind of went overboard and they were having other problems because you have too much iodine. That's not good either. Mm. And so then it kind of died back down and then came back up a little bit later when they realized basically it was working, but you just have to do it in limited quantities. Interesting. I had heard just the faintest bit about iodine being added to salt on purpose for our health, but not the details mm-hmm. about it. And... It's kind of like lumped into the category of other things that are kind of generally done for the the benefit of the public, like putting some fluoride in our water, right. um, just stuff like that that you kind of do on a large scale that has is it is beneficial enough and harmless enough to just go ahead and do, you know? Yes, but definitely. That's interesting. Goiters. Yes. So it's to prevent goiters, but there's kind of a problem. So you'd think table salt is this steady, solid, white substance that just hangs out. And it's no big deal. And you can just throw in some very similar potassium iodide, Mm -hmm. which is just going to hang out and do the same thing. But that's not exactly true. Mm -hmm. Because iodine, iodine anions will react with air to become oxidized. So it will gain electrons. And that means it will become elemental iodine. Uh And that elemental iodine does what's known as sublimation. So elemental iodine can go directly from a solid to a gas. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So you could have iodized salt, and then if it's particularly humid or acidic, the conditions are just right, it will become oxidized and become elemental iodine, which then will turn into a gas very quickly, mm-hmm. and you will lose all the iodine from your salt, and it smells kind of chlorine It's not the best smell. Dang, interesting. So you got to figure out a way to keep that iodine in place. <laughs> That's right. So to keep the iodine in place, they put in glucose or another what's known as iodine stabilizer, but really what it does is glucose is very easily oxidized itself. Mm-hmm. So that will keep the iodine from being oxidized or iodine oxidizes really well in acidic conditions. So they'll put base in which like baking soda, which Uh will keep the iodine from oxidizing. And there's only a little bit of iodine in there. So just a little bit of baking soda and a little bit of glucose will do the trick. So you can't even detect it in there. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So that happens to keep your iodine in your salt. So that's the basics of iodized salt. I have some fun facts that I want to give you about it. Okay. But first I want you to try to tell me back what you think table salt and iodized salt are to make sure that you're tracking with me. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, great. Okay, so first maybe I'll try doing just what salt is. It is the, any salt would be the combination of a... How did you word that? It's an ionic bond mm-hmm. between typically one, it's typically a metal, you said? A lot of times it's a metal and a non-metal, but that's not okay. always the case. But in these, both of these, mm-hmm. sodium and potassium mm-hmm. are both metals and chlorine and iodine are both non-metals. Got it. Okay. 
but typically that's the case. And one of them wants an electron that the other one typically has. Mm-hmm. What, how did you describe that? Is there a word to describe that or is that it? It really is just that one will take the electron from the other so they'll both have a full shell. So if Got it. imagine you have a full shell and hmm, we don't have anything quite like this. Imagine you have a full shelf and everything's exactly even and mm-hmm. then you have one more of something and it's on the next highest shelf. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't really look good. Yeah, totally. You fill up your whole bookshelf, but you have one extra book, so you have to put it on the next one. And mm-hmm. then your neighbor has a whole shelf that's missing one book. So you can just yeah. boop, give your book away and it'll fill it in and then you guys will both be happy. Got it. So just let your neighbor borrow the book and you'll both be happy. You won't have an extra book that can't fit on the shelf and they get to have mm-hmm. a full shelf. You both you guys both get to have full shelves. But in this case, you'll be bonded together forever. Right, right, right. <laughs> or for a very long time until you get dumped in water or melted at yeah. 1,400 degrees. <laughs> okay, so that's a salt and it does that, you know, on top of itself over and over and over and to the left and the right and, you know, in every direction basically has this interlocked lattice of mm-hmm. those two elements sharing an electron in a very strong bond well and they're really not sharing the electron it's generally described as having one gave up the electron the other took it but one's now positive and the other's negative so they're attracted strongly to each other okay got it what sharing does an electron the electron sharing electron is more of a covalent bond so yeah got so it. one takes the electron of the other but then they're whom bonded together yeah okay okay got it okay so sharing that book uh, or giving up that book, giving up an electron, forming that really strong bond because one's positive, one's negative, in mm-hmm. in every direction, forming a really mm-hmm. strong lattice of that bond. Over and that's over. right. Yep. And then what? Table salt is the one we eat on everything. Is the normal version is sodium and chlorine in that lattice structure. Hmm. And it's really strong, really straightforward. That's all that's in it normally. And it tastes good. Mm-hmm. And then what they did at some point when they realized people needed more iodine up in here, mm-hmm. they were like, let's put it in the salt. People are loving the salt. They are really, mm-hmm. it's very popular. Let's put the stuff in the salt. So it's kind of like a little Trojan horse deal of iodine. Yeah. Where they were like, you guys love salt. You guys love Mm -hmm. big wooden horses. So they put the iodine into the salt, but they couldn't just put regular old iodine in the salt because it has that property that I forgot what it's called that you said a second ago that makes it evaporate (laughs) very easily into a gas. Mm -hmm. Straight from the solid to a gas. It doesn't go through the liquid stage. Which is crazy. It's cheating actually. And for most... Most elements get in mm-hmm. trouble for doing that, honestly. But this one somehow 100%. is above the law. <laughs> so then this rascal iodine, what they did is they said, okay, what could be the sodium to iodine's iodine-ness? So in regular salt, it's sodium and chlorine. Mm-hmm. And they were like, could we maybe combine iodine with something and have it have a more stable, salty situation of its own? 
so that it'll stay put for once. Dang it. And so they had to combine iodine with something else or find a different version of iodine so that it would stay put in putting it in the salt? So I think, I, I guess I don't know, but I'm pretty sure potassium iodide is already naturally occurring. So just like ta- table salt, NaCl, that just occurs mm-hmm. in nature. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure potassium iodide is that same way. But they, so they just mix potassium iodide in with the salt. But the iodine is is trying to get away mm-hmm. and turn into its natural elemental state. All the time. So it can... It can sublime is mm-hmm. what the cheating word is called up into gas. So it's trying to cheat. So they add something else in. It says the potassium iodide was already kind of there, but okay. if the conditions are right, it'll try to cheat. Okay. So I was about to say they combine with potassium, but potassium iodide is already there. And so, yeah, I think so. I didn't look up the origins of potassium iodide, but I would assume it would just occur in nature. And so they add in some other stuff to try to prevent the, iodine from returning to its elemental state on its own, preventing it from trying to get away from the potassium. Mm-hmm. And then, and did you say what that was? I might have forgotten. It's usually glucose. There were some other things they used to do, but now glucose is usually what they mix in there. Got it. Got it. And they'll put a little bit of like maybe baking soda for right. it to be a base okay a little bit basic so the conditions are not good for the oxidation reactions to occur got it got it got it, got it. okay and then they mix all that together mm-hmm. and put that in a salt for us to buy which actually i think most of us end up by default buying iodized salt unless we consciously try not to i've noticed at least yes in my own experience mm-hmm. honestly you know what this reminds me of tell me Reminds me of what we talked about with silver tarnish and like a friend group kind of deal. And Mm -hmm. in this case, it being that we want to combine some friends on purpose. We want the sodium and chlorine to have these friends, potassium and iodine, but you can't just have them on their own because iodine wants to get away. Yeah. And so if you add a couple other friends in there, the dynamic works really well, like at least the friend glucose and maybe also <laughs> the friend baking soda, <laughs> then yeah, it creates the right kind of friend dynamic to where everyone stays together and it works well and they get along and they mm-hmm. behave, which is most the most important thing for, you know, a small town like ours. We just can't have the kids out there <laughs> causing mischief like well, that, you know? And the sodium chloride is kind of always there and it's always stable. Mm-hmm. The potassium iodide is really the one that's trying to mix things up when the iodine's like, I'm going to get myself oxidized. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get out of here. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you've, you're adding something into the mix that can help bring the iodine back down mm-hmm. and make it not want to go into that mm-hmm. state. And really the glucose will just oxidize First, it's a it's what's known as a reducing agent, so it's easily oxidized, and then the base just makes it unfavorable for oxidation to occur. So that's kind of what they both do. Got it. Got it. Okay. Cool. They just sort of they they do some interventions, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just real quick before we move into our fun facts, I think that was a great explanation, but I quickly looked it up, and uh-huh. it actually seems like maybe potassium iodide is 
formed whenever they treat potassium hydroxide, which is another salt with iodine, mm-hmm. but it also may still be naturally occurring. And I'm having trouble finding it quickly, but I'm not a hundred percent sure either way. And I don't know that I'm going to be able to find a reliable source quickly, but it can also be industrial produced. So you were right on that side. Okay, cool. Well, so they could do, okay, cool. Sweet. It has to be occurring to some degree or else the people in those Colombian valleys wouldn't have been able to have the, those natural salts and those rich iodine rich waters. Right, so right, right, right. There has to be some form of iodine that's in the nature, but I don't know how they get it necessarily. Yeah. So. <laughs> so here are my fun facts for you. Okay. One, iodized salt is required in many countries as the only form of sellable table salt. You cannot buy table salt without iodine in, in some countries. Wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two, there's a very elaborate study where someone checked to see how much iodine was spread evenly through the salt and if there was some loss of iodine or not. And they found that it's not very evenly spread through the salt. That's called non-homogenous. So it's not evenly mixed. Mm, Okay. So there's actually sort of uneven amounts of iodine throughout your table salt, Mm. which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, that is. Three, actually, so in the American diet, primarily because of salt, we don't have a lot of iodine deficiency anymore, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean you should stop eating iodized salt because that's part of the solution. It's not as if we've solved this disease or something. Yeah, Us having iodized salt is part of the reason we don't see goiter anymore. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So for the general U.S. population, we have enough iodine, but pregnant women are mildly iodine deficient for the most part. Hmm. And interestingly, just how in America it's not required for them to make iodized salt, it's also not required for there to be iodine in prenatal vitamins. So, which is just kind of interesting. I think it came down to a matter of we don't, want to be forced to take medicine, you know? Right. And so because of that, they wanted to still give people the option for unidized table salt, but it's not really dangerous or risky. It's, it's always going to be better for you to grab that one mm-hmm. because as long as you're consuming salt in normal, safe amounts, mm-hmm. that won't be an overdose of iodine or anything. But for pregnant women, you probably should check and make sure that your prenatal vitamin has iodine. Talk to your doctor and make sure all that's okay. But there is a link to iodine deficiency in pregnant women and cognitive deficiencies in babies that are born. Wow. Dang. Yeah. So obviously I'm not a doctor, so be sure to talk to your doctor and get advice and look into it on your own. But it seems that iodine is going to be really important. Now, there is such a thing as too much iodine. Mm -hmm. There's kind of a sweet spot. But most pregnant women are on the lower end of that right now in America. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's good to know. I know. I didn't know that iodine could play such a role. I had no idea. And I have a few friends that are pregnant right now or have recently been pregnant. And I called them and asked them what their (laughs) iodine levels were like in their prenatal vitamins. So, (laughs) Dude, good. That's great. Yeah, that's one of those things where it'd probably be like a lot of other things you'd be looking for in in that vitamin and might be pretty easy to not be thinking about iodine. Yeah, definitely. And... I've included the link in 
our show notes there, but there was a, a article published, I think in a journal called thyroid that was all about iodine contents and prenatal vitamins in the United States. And there's also a lot of other resources that I link to that talk about iodine deficiencies and some of the impacts that those can have. Mm-hmm. So definitely check those out if you're pregnant or trying to get pregnant and keep yourself well informed and talk to your doctor before you make any decisions. You know, I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm not able to give you medical advice, but as a scientist, that's what it seems like it's pointing to. So talk to your doctor, get medical advice and make those decisions. So that's it. That's our fun, interesting iodized salt. Nice. Dude, very interesting. Situation. Yeah, I was pretty excited. I didn't have this episode idea on my own and I thought maybe it wouldn't be super interesting, but it ended up having some twists and some turns. I didn't even think about the fact that iodine in its elemental form tries to become a gas. So that was kind of fun. So Totally. And it's very... oxidation goes back to some of those older episodes. So Yeah, it does. And it's very, very everyday. I mean... We all have salt every day. And if you cook anything, there's there's such a high chance that at some point you'll be adding salt to it at the end or during. It's like just a normal, so everyday thing that many of us don't think about. So it's like perfect for what the kinds of things we cover here. Yeah, definitely. I love it when people write in stuff like that, that maybe I've already learned about and think it's not interesting anymore. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, my perspective is just not to wonder about it. And so then it prompts me to think more deeply and I get fun surprises. So I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah. So this week, instead of talking about what we, something in our week that made us happy, because we're actually recording pretty far ahead of time. So you guys would just be hearing about what was going on with us back in December. Uh Let's talk instead about something you want to do this year, something you want to accomplish. I'm not really a, a new year's resolutions kind of a person, but I do like to reflect on my year that's coming up mm-hmm. and think through what are some goals I have. So yeah. do you have anything like that that you want to share with us, Jam? I do, but I, it's very, very basic. It really falls into like the category that many people have, uh, have already kind of in their minds for New Year's thoughts and goals. But mm-hmm. it's the thing that I've consistently thought of for several months, not about 2021, but just been thinking about for several months that I'm like, I kind of need to make this be a consciously verbalized goal or I'm not going to do it. But okay, ever since having a kid, I have not had a very regular workout schedule of any kind. Mm, yeah. And, and you like working out mm-hmm. for your heart health. Yeah, I'm all about running. I like running. I'm su- it surprises me to, that I'm at a time in my life where I said those words. But um <laughs> I got very into it in like 2018, 2019. And then summer 2020 comes around and I have a kid and then I have not been consistent in running at all. And it's kind of the perfect type of workout for me. It's, I mean, moderately intense. You can run at a chill pace, but it's, oh yeah, definitely. You know, more intense than walking and stuff. You can easily increase how far you run or try to increase your times. It doesn't require any fancy equipment. Um, you don't have to think too hard. <laughs> it's perfect for me. And there's no amount of like trying to get stronger or anything like that. I just cannot move myself to care about strength. So it's got all the things I need. However, I have not been able to figure out how to include it into my life since having a kid. 
but I also have not tried that hard to do that. Mm, so you need some accountability. So our listeners mm-hmm. are going to write in and ask you about it. Yes. Yes, please. I need that accountability. I need some motivation. I need to figure out some strategies. So even if some of you guys out there have kids already and figured out some sneaky great time of the day or schedule or something like that for when to <laughs> when to go running, that'd be cool too. Um, but that's that I think is one of the things I I I would be very proud of myself to accomplish and get back into my life. That's a good one. I like that one. It's kind of basic though. You know what I'm saying? Like this is like a lot of us have health goals for a new year and I'm, I'm right there too. Yeah. Well, I think there is a reason for us having health goals for a new year, but also, you know, you needed to voice that and say that for yourself. And so who cares if it's basic, you know, if it's going to help you and be right for you. Yeah. True that. What about you? Well, I went with a career type goal. Nice. So I'm in a new field. I, I finished up my master's degree in organic chemistry and now I'm doing research in chemistry education, Mm -hmm. specifically why do people hate organic chemistry? That really (laughs) truly is my area of research. And I'm in a pretty good place with my research. I've gotten a lot of data. I have someone who joined our UNT faculty who's been really helping me a lot with processing through my data. Mm who has been in the field for a while. And I think it's about time for me to start writing my first paper in chemistry education. So I published in an academic journal in organic chemistry, but I haven't yet in my new field. And so nice. I'm wrapping up my classes. That's another sort of natural goal that's going to happen is I should be able to finish my classes in this calendar year, but mm-hmm. I would like to have the additional milestone of publishing a paper in a chemistry education journal about my current research before the year is up. And I'm actually thinking I might be able to do it before the semester ends, but it kind of depends on how productive the next few weeks are. Yeah. Nice. Dude, cool. That's very cool. So I'm very excited about that. That's my goal for one of my goals for myself. I like to go through and think about what's going to happen and what some of my personal and financial and, career goals are for each year and and make a list and then Mm -hmm. think through them and then get to reflect back at the end of the year. So, yeah. And I was so hectic at the beginning of 2020 that I didn't have a chance to do that. And I'm kind of missing it at the end of this, that year. So I'm, I'm excited to get back into doing that. Nice. That's a good one. All right. Well, if you guys want to write in and tell us about your goals that we would love to hear about it. Thank you so much for coming and listening and learning about iDiceAll. And thanks to Sam for sending us this idea for an episode. Those are really good ones. So every day. And I absolutely loved learning about it. Nice. Yes, me too. And if you guys have ideas, please don't hesitate to send them in. The things you wonder about in your everyday life, things that strike you, please want to hear them. If you have questions or ideas, you can email us on Gmail. You can tweet us on Twitter. You can gram us on Instagram. Or you can book (laughs) us on Facebook. At Chem for Your Life. That's Chem, F-O-R, Your Life on all of those platforms. We're the same. If you'd like to help us keep our show going and contribute to cover the cost of making it, go to ko-fi.com slash chemforyourlife and donate the cost of a cup of coffee. If you're not able to donate, you can still help us by subscribing on your favorite podcast app and rating and writing a review on Apple Podcasts. That also helps us be able to share chemistry with even more people. This episode of Chemistry for Your Life was created by Melissa Collini and Jam Robinson. 
references for this episode can be found in our show notes or on our website. Jam Robinson is our producer, and we'd like to give a special thanks to A. Kalini and V. Garza, who reviewed this episode.